Good afternoon, everybody. It is Angie Atkinson, and I'm here today all by myself. <laughs> Usually, I have the lovely and talented Lisa Glitchy with me, but I think we just kind of got our wires crossed today, so we are just here by ourselves. Um, anywho, Lisa may pop in later. Um, I, did, whoop, I did send her the link to it, so we'll see what happens. Anywho, today I thought we would talk about um, narcissistic parents, specifically fathers, but also mothers, as needed. Um, I know that we are just... Uh, Looks like no one's here yet. So we'll just get started and y'all can watch the replay. Um, oh, I see a few people here. Hey, Tian, Adrian, hello. Thank you for being here today. Sorry I was so late, everybody. Hey, Chris, thank you for being here. Um, so let's talk about it, shall we? Um, I think one of the things that happens to children of any narcissistic parent is, is that we become sort of evil pleasers, right? We all know, we all know. But this is if we don't become narcissists. So what's interesting is that um, a lot of the times the scars, the emotional scars, the psychological scars, the long lasting, lifelong often debilitating effects of these people, these so-called parents, it can appear like we're crazy or it can appear like we are just problem children or whatever. But out in public, they do appear very often to be the perfect parents, not always. Um, they appear loving, they appear amazing. Of course, behind closed doors, there's this whole other element that comes into play, right? So you're looking at you know, constant screaming, constant raging, criticism, <laughs> unfair criticism, right? Unfair raging, challenging your entire reality by over gaslighting, confusing you, you know, happy one second about one thing, two minutes later, unhappy about that same thing. <laughs> you know, you just, you can't win with the toxic parent. And if you don't have other people in your life who sort of remind you that you deserve love and you deserve to feel safe and that you have messed up parents, <laughs> well, everything kind of goes south, right? Um, you feel often humiliated by your parents or you feel like you, you have zero self-esteem or you're always trying to please them, right? This is the people on our side of the, of the, <laughs> the list, so to speak, of the people who are empaths or just even just codependent, but not empathic, you know, people who are not out to hurt anyone. And so we see kids who go through this stuff, they might be a high achiever just to get attention, or they might be a complete burnout type kid, right? Just to not get attention. Um, I think there's, you know, anywhere, it, it's, it's all sides of the point, right? Even the golden child doesn't necessarily become a narcissist. It just depends on how you sort of take your, uh, what do you call it? Hmm. Kind of how you just manage the trauma as it's happening, right? Do you turn inward and only focus on your own needs or do you turn it outward like I did, like you probably did and become the sort of person who ends up basically um, spending their life trying to be happy, trying to find ways to make everyone around you happy because you get validation when somebody says you're good, right? It's, it's kind of, thank you, Samarine. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah. So, okay. Here we go. Wait, Kels, what happened with Kels? So... Thanks for doing all your reminders, Samarine. If you guys looked in the 
live chat right now, you will see a significant, ah, oh, LNC, I'm so sorry to hear that you've got this going on. Now, I, I have the opposite, it's, a, it's the other parent for me, um, but I, I think it, yeah. Anywho, okay, I'm gonna jump right in the chat and then I'm gonna come back around and talk about uh, some of the things that we're, we're gonna talk about the, um, let me just tell, tell you this stuff before I move on actually. All right, I've got a few things I wanna share with you today and I'm gonna jump in the chat and we're gonna talk a little more. So one of the things I think is really important to talk about is what does it look like to be someone who's been raised by a narcissist? When you become an adult and you go through this trauma and this drama and whether you stay connected with them or not, there are certain things we all have in common as parents, as children of, excuse me, adult children of narcissistic parents, right? So we have a lot of, well, I just recently did a video on one of these things, internalized gaslighting, right? Oh my gosh, you guys, there's, <laughs> there's a little bird nest outside of my office right now. And it, it's just cute to watch the little mama bird go with these baby birds. I don't know if that's the daddy bird there or something else, but off topic, sorry about that. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, okay. So internalized gaslighting is where you are literally doing the work for them, right? You're literally going, okay, so since you, mom or dad, are no longer in my life or aren't with me or whatever, <laughs> you don't literally say that to yourself. You just start to sort of do the work for them. Start to doubt yourself in ways that they would have made you doubt yourself if they were there in person. You start to literally become your own saboteur, so to speak. Um, so watch that video if you're interested in learning more about that and how to stop that. Um, but the other thing that happens is if you don't recognize it in time, you will remain loyal to this toxic parent. You will do whatever that you'll spend. I, I was 35 years old before I stopped kissing up or, or trying to please that parent. Okay. That was only because of a significant event that woke me up really fast as to who this person really was. Um, so, but then you end up in relationships with narcissistic people. So it's like you can't ever get away from it unless you learn what you're dealing with and start making choices intentionally, right? Um, a lot of times we do become very good at blaming ourselves for everything. And I think the reason that that happens is because I know for me, when, you know, even as an adult, I'm always like, well, even today, I, nobody's gonna, people don't like to admit or, or take responsibility for their actions or their errors and this is especially true for narcissists so very often I would go well I can change me and so back in the day I would say well okay so I'm definitely you know I'm definitely gonna make this personal change and hopefully this will help the situation even if the personal change wasn't warranted and, and that's I think the result of being raised by a narcissist um you know uh the other thing is the Walking on eggshells, it's a trigger for me, I hate it. Um, but when you live in a home where someone can be triggered so quickly and into rage or into even the silent treatment or any sort of emotional or psychological abuse at the hair, you know, hair trigger type situation, you're gonna walk on eggshells naturally. And you're gonna find yourself doing this with parents, spouses, every narcissist you know, because you just, you're so exhausted. You'd rather walk on eggshells than have them fighting with you. But what happens in that situation where you're walking on eggshells is that you really end up being like literally stifled for your whole life. You stop thinking about your wants and your needs and you literally become someone who exists for the sole purpose of helping the narcissist not be angry. It's not fair, it's not right. None of us should have to do it. 
Um, another thing I, I have to share with you is the we talked before about um, attachment theory, right? Where there's different types of attachment. And when you are raised by a toxic parent, and this is gonna be more true if you're raised by a toxic mother, but it can also apply for the father. And what it is, is that you become insecurely attached. So if you are a narcissist or a toxic person who comes out of this situation with these types of parents, well, then you end up with the type of insecure attachment where you're you know, actively testing your person. You're actively you know, trying to tear them down and see how much it's gonna take for them to run and all of this. And I have videos on this that we'll explain in better detail. You can go search for that later. Um, the other thing is for the supply, or the person who isn't a narcissist, I shouldn't call a supply, I don't like that. For uh, the person who is not as toxic, the person who just might become codependent or might be an empath and, and fall in with the wrong people based on the fact that you grew up with these type of people that feels normal to you, you might have this insecure attachment that looks like constant fear of rejection, constant fear of abandonment, always just trying so hard to hold on to your person and to make them happy that you almost end up feeling pathetic, especially if you are with a narcissist, because then you end up with someone who's a little like actively invalidating you and you're trying so hard for validation. And in fact, the reason you got with that person probably was because of that insecure attachment. And when you first got together, they loved on you. They made you feel secure, beautiful, handsome, whatever, amazing, like their soulmate. And you really believed that because you desperately needed to believe that. Because think about it. If you grow up your whole life and you're looking for validation and you don't find any validation, what are you going to do? You're going to find yourself just constantly lost and constantly seeking it. And so... When no one, you know, you might get it from a teacher or, or uncle, aunt, grandparent, whatever. But if you don't, and even if you do sometimes, you're going to look for someone who makes you feel secure and safe, who makes you feel like you are seen and heard and like you matter. And the narcissist is really good at that in the beginning, right? And so they may seem as minded, completely different than your toxic parent. But in real life, underneath the skin, underneath the surface, they're the same. And when you figure this out, it's devastating. You're going to go through denial. You're going to go through all this other stuff. And you're still going to secretly hope that you're wrong. But you know deep down that you're not. It doesn't mean you don't deserve better. It means that you deserve. It means you need to evolve and recognize your amazing self as it stands, right? Now, as opposed to the, um, just like with the parent, you will see that you're, when you're, when you're growing up with a narcissistic parent, maybe they make you feel like it's all about you on some level, but generally it's really all about keeping them happy and stopping them from being upset. I mean, raise your hand if you, as a kid, would walk home from school feeling sick to your stomach every day or ride home or whatever. I did. Did you? Let me know. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, life revolves when you are the child of a narcissist around the happiness of the narcissist. And this also often continues into well into adulthood. I know some people who are here right now are going through that. Uh, you know, and, and then you've got, on the flip side of that, you end up marrying someone who's toxic and who so closely resembles the narcissistic parent and you become, you, then your life revolves around them and then you're trying to somehow protect both narcissists, your parent narcissist and your spouse narcissist. It's a mess because it makes you just feel like you're pulled in 27 directions and you just want everybody to freaking be happy, right? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, there's so much more. And we can also talk about how to deal with this as well.
um, as we as we go forward. Okay, so I'm going to pop up here. Here we go. Hey everybody, thanks for being here, Chris, Linda. Um, let's see, Charlotte, Pocketful of Sunshine. Love the name, and as I previously mentioned, I believe. Um, <laughs> thanks everybody for coming in. Um, hi Jack and and Simarine uh, and and Chris are mods. I love you guys, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Hey Peggy, how you doing? <laughs> yes, I will only be uh, solo for today. I hope Liz will be back next week. I don't think she's feeling super well. She's been getting over COVID, um, and so I think she's kind of a little overbooked today. But we're gonna see how she 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 may pop in. Let me check my let me check my thing to see if she's here. Oh, she'll just probably come back next week. That's fine. All right. Um, let's see. Hello, hello. Okay, so. Oh, Linda says, oh, hey, Spiker. Oh, Bruce from Telegram. Hey, good to see you. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm on Telegram. Just search Angie Axe and you'll find me over there if you are interested. Um, let's see. I had a question. Oh, Linda. Hey, Linda. She says, I've always been in a position where I wasn't ever allowed to be independent. Now, this is the goal of many toxic parents, because if you can't be independent, they can still control you. And so I, I know a lot of adults who are stuck even now living with toxic parents because the parents have basically taught them to be helpless. Now, this is a, there are different types of toxic parents because there are also those who neglect and ignore you. And, and I think in my case, it was sort of a combo deal. It was sometimes over, overbearing, over controlling as a kid, sometimes, you know, just doing their own thing, too busy to deal with me. And that's okay, but that's, that's what it was. And so it was a back and forth thing. There was physical stuff and all that. So um, hold on, I'm gonna just, just cough really quick. <laughs> Sorry about that. Couldn't get that neat button to work right. Um, okay. And then we have, let's see. Oh, yeah. So Kellis can relate to Linda. Oh, UNA says, I absolutely believe if I left, I would die now. Let's talk about that. I had a similar situation, Peggy. I had a similar situation where um, my, my parent told me that if I did not, you know, keep connected, which meant follow the rules and do as you're told even when you're an adult, um, and which I don't like to do as I'm told, okay? <laughs> I like to do what I want to do. Uh, but anyway, at that time, um, yeah, I, I was told if, if I didn't stay close, I, I'd end up with no one and I'd die in a ditch alone. <laughs> and um, it's, I, I shouldn't laugh at that. It's a terrible thing to say to someone, but um, that was really the, the message. The message was do as I say or else. And no thanks, I'm done with that now, okay? Um, I can relate, Peggy, and I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, let's see here. Hey, Misty, welcome back. Adrian. Um, let's see. Thank you, Simrine. Kellis says, even though at even now at 33, I go back and forth for going no contact because she's very ill and plays on my intelligence. That's a common tactic, especially when they get to be older, um, because they just remember this. If you choose to go no contact, it's not the wrong thing. A lot of us have guilt issues and everything else about that. And the fact is, it is what it is. You know, you can dwell on guilt or you can imagine, like for me, going no contact was not something I ever thought I would do. Um, and I didn't even know what no contact was when I chose to go no contact. I just knew that I did not want to be dealing with that crap anymore <laughs> um, because something very serious happened and then I was triggered immediately into no contact. And I probably had secretly wanted to go no contact the whole time, but didn't know how to do it. 
um, because I, there's a lot of guilt and obligation and fear, fear, obligation, and guilt, fog, that every victim of a narcissist has. When you are raised by one, you don't have any choices. Right? You, don't, you don't know that you have choices, even as an adult. You don't even know you deserve nice things. It's I didn't. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, number one funketeer, best name I've seen so far today. <laughs> New name for me. Um, I like all the names. You guys have some great screen names. But uh, to number one funketeer says, my husband's father is no contact with his siblings, two of his three grandchildren and four of his five well, two of his three children and four of his five grandchildren. He insists they are the problem. I see this a lot. Uh, I see where narcissists will basically push everyone away and then they'll be like, why is everyone so messed up? And clearly they're the common denominator. I just, I've heard about this twice today, I think. <laughs> just today, I'm not counting all the other days. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of sad and also infuriating, right? As someone who's watching from the outside, sort of inside, outside, <laughs> so to speak. Kill you, um, <laughs> insisting there the, because no self awareness. Narcissists cannot self reflect. They cannot imagine that they might be doing something wrong because if they did that, that would like take the whole false self away, and then they would probably crumble into a ball on the floor and and disappear if they could. <laughs> Which sounds funny but true. They can't look at themselves. Uh, they can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Sassy mom says yes. Got to have that self-love daily homework always. I totally agree with self-love. Yes, 100%. Um, and, and the thing about the thing about self-love is that it is so, it sounds so cliche. It sounds like whatever, whatever. Uh, but you know what's funny to me is that like there came a point in my life where I fully finally understood that, you know, that self-love was a real deal, that it was not, you know, just some lame concept. I mean, you literally have to fall in love with yourself in the same way that you would fall in love with another person or friend. It doesn't have to be like, I kind of love it unless you want to, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> you have to find a way to, to look at yourself and give yourself the same sort of love and respect as you would give another person you love unconditionally, like your kid or a niece or nephew or someone, best friend, you know, somebody who you would never, you know, expect from Someone who you would never be disrespectful or horrible to, you know, not that you would ever. And if you think about the way you talk to yourself and you imagine talking to your child that way, it changes everything, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yes. Kellis says, thank you. I appreciate you addressing my comment. Oh, my pleasure. I hope it was a little bit helpful. Uh, it probably wasn't because I just commented on it, but I, I did my best. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I like this. Um, wait a minute. I somehow got way down in my chat. Wait a minute. Okay. Independence and confidence. Okay. Woo. Now somehow my chat just jumped all the way to the bottom. So I'm just gonna jump right back up to the top of zero. I like to try to address the comments as they come in, right? Okay, here we go. So ah. Uh, <laughs> okay. There we go. Okay, Simarine. Okay. Yes, amen. Okay. Sorry guys, I this happens to me at least once a session and it always ruins the whole thing. <laughs> But I'm sorry about that. Angie, where's Lise? Yeah, Lise is uh, just away for today. She should be back hopefully next week. Um, I think she, like I said, she's not doing great. Okay. Making, taking a day by day, says Adrian. Still a lot going on here, working on moving out. Ooh, good for you for, for continuing forward, Adrian. I know it's no picnic. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Samaria says, rather not tell any stories about his mother. Samaria is Jack's wife. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, I've heard some stories myself. Um, let's see. Charlotte says, my mom took my siblings away from me and uses them to this day as a weapon. My little brother is nonverbal autistic. My little sister is kind of young. I don't know how to deal with it, to be honest. Charlotte, this is unfortunately way too common today. Um, we end up we end up with these situations. My, my mother definitely drove a wedge between my brother and I by convincing him I was doing horrible things <laughs> as an adult. And then he played right into it. It was shocked me. I thought he knew better, but he'd been in California for several years and well, it is what it is. Um, so I don't know. But as far as taking siblings away, I mean, it's terrible and it feels horrible to, to see it happen. But especially in a situation like yours, I would imagine where you have a nonverbal autistic brother. Um, and, Anyway, I would say this. I would say if you are able to in any way get in touch with them, you should, um, you know, send them cards or, or letters or whatever, but fairly good chance, especially with your older, with the autistic brother, you're not going to get through to them. Um, but if you are able to get through one or both of them, I think that your, your goal should be, I feel like I have something on my face. I, I think your goal should be to simply let them know I'm here. I love you. And nothing she says is true. Um, I don't know your whole story, but it's very painful going through the situation. I, I literally lost half of my family, um, my extended family in, in my own going no contact, which sucks, but it is what it is. Um, and then of course, I don't really have a whole bunch of contact with the other side of the family because my mother did the whole parental alienation thing. It's awesome. No, it was horrible. Um, but you know, you get through, get through. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kella says, I need some serious advice about my ill mother who lies to me, lies about me and abuses me. She's 65 and told me she'll take my son. Days when you know better, you do better. I've been her caregiver since last August. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, awful. Uh, um, <laughs> Sassy mom says, you're so sweet. We learn from nature too. Yes, yes, we do. Birds by the window. I'll tell you, that was so cute. I got, I'm gonna have to get some good video and put it out for you guys in my story or something. It's really, really cute. Um, yeah, Kelly says, I can't do it anymore. I won't take it anymore. Hey, you know what? You don't have to, you don't. You don't owe her anything. In fact, she chose to give birth to you. You didn't choose to have her as a mother as far as we know. And then if you did, maybe part of the mission was to learn how to stand up for yourself. You know, she's 65, you're probably in your, late 30s or your 40s maybe or maybe hold there it doesn't matter but you you know she's going to try to take your son I'm here to tell you that my mother literally tried to have my son and my daughter and my other son taken from me and uh, that was it for me that was it because don't mess with my kid you know there are no excuses for this I mean if you're actually abusing or neglecting your child okay but I'm here to, I'm guessing you didn't and that she's just being a you know, controlling, hateful person, in which case she doesn't need to be in your life, right? Doesn't need to be. Oh, for those members who are here, um, I put up a new note in our members tab. I wanted to make sure that you knew about all of your benefits, by the way, uh, one of which is our private Discord server. Um, so check those notes if you can um, and tell me what else. You'll see the note. All right. Okay, moving on along. Let's see here. Kellis, you have, I just want to say one more thing. You have every right to walk. You do. You don't know her. I think no child owes their parent um, 
anything after they are adults and they're taking care of themselves and whatever. I, I have an 18 year old and a 25, almost 25 year old right now who, you know, one of them still lives here, the 18 year old and 25 year olds out on his own. And either one of them owes me a thing, even though they're both sweet and they both want to, oh, mom, like, you know, let me give you this or that. And now it's fine. You know, and my, my 18 year old feels bad because I didn't pay for his car insurance sometimes. And I'm going to pay you back, mom. And he does sometimes, <laughs> but it's not about that. It's about, for me, I'm just happy to have him still in the house. I'm being honest, but, <laughs> but I'm not holding. All right, moving on. Okay, Ellen C says, both of my parents are narcissists, but my mother died years ago. Dad blames mom, but they both blamed me. I just had to move on. I got tired of being the scapegoat, but I'm actually blessed to be at the same time. Which is, is that because you now, you're, you're more, your eyes are open and you see differently than you did before, Ellen, or than other people might? I, I'll tell you something, one of the things that I, okay, no one should go through what we've gone through, right? But I do think there is benefit to or, or the silver lining of the cloud is that we, as people who were raised by toxic people who did not become them, we end up going through such a, a soul-crushing experience and often well into adulthood again, thanks to the fact that sometimes we marry narcissists. And if we don't, we still end up, you know, being abused by our parent until they, they can't anymore or until we put our foot down. We end up, um, when we do heal, if we do so intentionally, we become more involved than your average person. We are more self-aware than your average person because our trauma has almost forced it. If we were gonna heal, we had to understand, right? Especially intelligent people, which I'm gonna guess most of the people here are relatively intelligent, um, given that less intelligent people don't enjoy me very much. <laughs> okay, um, Ellen, I'm really sorry that you have gone through that. Let me know if I'm anywhere on point, you know, close to on point with your uh, the reason that you might be happy about or blessed by such a thing. Um, Sassy Mom says, sorry to Charlotte and Kellis, rough, rough too and so many here. It's, yeah, it's been hard. And I know anytime you go through, you know, when you have a parent who sees you as a possession or, or an extension of themselves or doesn't see you, you know, uh, my mother always seemed to act like, or made me feel like I wasn't a real person, literally, like, I said this before, but I'm going to say it one more time. There was literally a point in time when I was like 13 or 14 or something, and I was talking about the possibility of, you know, in the future, maybe I would want children, maybe I wouldn't want children, whatever. And I remember this smirk on her face, and I thought, oh my gosh, am I just really a robot? And she knows, but I don't know. <laughs> like, that's such a stupid thing to think. But I really thought that, and I really worried about it for a minute because I thought she just knew, and that's why she was treating me so badly, but I was not even a real person. You know, that sounds weird. But that's really what I thought at that age. So, um, yeah. All right. So, um, Adrian says, I'm grounding and just having faith that I can get out of this mess yesterday. I set up my appointment for a therapist, but don't see her to, till the end of July. Okay. That's, I, it's a good thing, Adrian. I'm glad that you have the appointment. And I hope it's a therapist who does understand narcissists and narcissistic abuse, um, because that would be powerful. Yep. And, and honestly, for me anyway, Adrian, you tell me if it's the same for you. I, when I was in the planning stage and I knew where I was going, and this is from my ex, I was already happier, even though I didn't make any moves right away, you know, but just knowing that I was planning and I was going to go, everything started to relieve a little bit. Felt like a, you know, it doesn't last forever, but 
but it certainly helps you keep going. Whether you're angry, for me, it was anger that propelled me to the point that I actually stepped out or that I was ready to step out. But then it was the idea of freedom after that, you know, being free to be me, whatever I was at that time. Um, Charlotte says, I really am just on here for advice for my siblings. I have a 14 year old, 14 and 18 year age gap for me as well. Okay. Charlotte, you're allowed to also ask for advice for yourself. You are just as important as them. And I want you to think about how you would talk to them versus how you're talking to yourself. Just remember that you matter as well as they do, just as much, despite the fact that your mother appears to have given you a different um, perception. It's just remember that you're important too. <laughs> I love it, sassy mom says peace bubble. Yes, we all need peace bubble equals your healthy boundaries, right? We Mm -hmm. It's huge. All right, let's see. Jack says, my, my narcissist mother has Parkinson. I don't think I'll be compelled to be a caregiver directly. Any of her dad has Alzheimer's. They need better support, but deny such. You know, and I, and I think even in, in um, healthier people, emotionally or psychologically healthier people, you're going to see a certain amount of resistance, you know, to people coming in and taking over their house. So people taking care of them because they feel that huge loss of you know, autonomy, the loss of the ability to, to live on their own is very scary. I mean, <laughs> really, I would imagine. But when you have toxic parents in that situation, you know, you're, first of all, you might see some collapsed narcissism there. Um, secondly, with the, the Alzheimer's, that's an issue um, because Alzheimer's is it's a horrible thing to have or to watch. Um, but with Parkinson's and a narcissist, I mean, I would guess she would be using that to get lots of attention um, and, and probably even to take attention from your father, which is, they, it sounds like they do need better support. Um, but you don't have to be the caregiver directly unless, you know, sometimes they, they claim um, the will, they'll throw the will in your face. and. I, I had the will thrown in my face when I went no contact. And I said, I want your stupid money, keep it. <laughs> so it's probably already taken care. I think it was actually before that, actually when I married my ex. Anyway, um, but it, you know, it shouldn't be about getting an inheritance. I mean, it, it feels unfair to be fair, but yeah. All right, hi Jennifer, welcome. Um, let's see, Adrian says, yeah, I have two. So I really went deep within starting with and I missed the rest of that. Uh, Chris says, oh, sassy mom, yes, great advice. Where did I miss that? It's here somewhere. All right, oh, peace bubble, yes, yes. Peggy says, I watched an age with both parents, but the only one was a narcissist. The other was only manic depressive. Peggy, only? <laughs> this is what we now call bipolar manic depressive. And if you've ever been with a bipolar person when they, when they were not in a good place, it's pretty terrible for both them and you. <laughs> um, when they're manic, they're dangerous sometimes to themselves mostly. Um, when they are depressed and sad and everything, it's clinical. It's not It's not like, you know, just like have a cup of coffee and you'll be fine. It's like serious. And so if you have one parent who is mentally ill and unable to help themselves or you, and then you have another parent who's a dang narcissist. I mean, just, it's an almost impossible situation for a kid. So I'm just, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that pain. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Um, 
Okay. So, sassy mom, thanks, Chris. Bless you. Jack says, I think you'd be okay mentioning. Yeah, actually, um, Katie, if you could send me the information on the therapist so I could add it to my list, I would really appreciate that. I would just want their name, phone number, and what state they work in, and possibly their website, ideally. Um, and I can definitely add that to the list of safe providers once we, you know, do a little background research, make sure they're good. Um, yes, thank you. Ellen says, when my sociopath bestie, Rumi, was doing this to me, it, it, it hit me faster than any extra parent. I became a hostage in my own, ooh, in my own home. I was paying to be abused, got her out fast. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> that must have been such a difficult situation after going through all the things that you've gone through and to, then to have this person in your own home, oh, that would have been terrible. Glad you got her out. Julie says, uh, mine was talking about something a grandmother did 15 years ago, like buying a baby bed and wedding cake and being mad about it while I was trying to tell the narcissist that my mother-in-law was passing away. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's hard. Um, Kate says, I meant, can you, can you recommend a recovery group for online classes? I also need a therapist. Family. Yes, Katie, um, absolutely. We have free online support groups. Uh, at queenbean.com slash group dash support. Uh, we also have a really amazing um, group coaching program at queenbean.com slash groups, um, which is very low cost and very um, helpful. So um, if, if Jack or, or Chris or, or Serene would put in the chat the queenbean.com address so that people can see that I'd appreciate it. Um, Kellis says, yeah, same here. I'm sorry that you've had to deal with that, you and your wife. This is to Jack. They truly have mental health issues and try to inflict that pain on me and my son. She'll say anything. Yeah, when she's upset, I, when she's mad. Kels, I can relate. Um, I like my mother literally sent CPS to my door. I understand. Um, I would not wait for that if I were you. I would not wait. I would find her. Um, a caregiver that is paid, um, and I'm sure her estate or her, she can pay for it, or her Medicare, Medicaid, whatever she's got can pay for it. Um, and I would stop. Uh, I don't think that, I think especially when you have a child that she's actively trying to take from you. I don't think you owe her anything. I'm just saying, I'm not, just do what feels right to you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I would do in your shoes. Okay? I never try to force anyone to do anything because it's not ever going to work for you until you're ready emotionally and psychologically right okay let's see here yeah i like the peace bubble i tell you what i <laughs> i i do this thing where i have i imagine the light at my at my core a uh, white light and it slowly gets bigger and bigger and bigger almost like with each breath then <laughs> it pops out around you and it goes all the way down under the ground to my feet all the way above my head all the way uh, and that is sort of, I never, I never call it a peace bubble, but I do call it bubbling up. So yeah, I get you I'm with that. <laughs> um, yeah. To Julie, Jack says, yeah, I have found that narcissists can hold grudges for years, 15 years. I think that's about how long <laughs> the narcissist cousin of mine is holding them. Yeah, that's the thing. And okay, <clears throat> there's a lot of dissent in the narcissistic abuse recovery community about this because a lot of people want to say, listen, <laughs> I'm not forgiving my abuser, period. Okay, 
And I'm like, I, I get that because that feels yucky, right? But you cannot stay angry forever. So you're not going to forgive them per se, not in the traditional way. Like, okay, that's cool. Come back over. No. You're going you're gonna to release the need to know what else happens to them. And you're going to release the need to need to punish them for their behavior or to know that they're punished for their behavior. That's a long drawn out thing. Um, if you look on my channel for a video called The Letter, you'll find out really great techniques you can use for that. Um, let's see here. It's, I've got one of them that's like three minutes long, real quick. So, um, oh, Adrian says, start keeping a journal, writing down what, oh, I started to keep a journal, writing down what happened to me in childhood until now and keeping it locked away in my locker at my job so I can be ready for this. Yeah, and this is this is really smart. I've, I've done this with many of my clients. One of the things I do with nearly every client is have them write down, and this is depending on where they're at in recovery, but for the most part, if they're still kind of raw, I'll have them write down as many wrongdoings as they can think of, as many reasons as they can think of to leave the narcissist. All the things the narcissist has done, how they made them feel, et cetera, and I have them do it in the most raw, raw, open, descriptive language they can stand okay because when this is when you get to this point whether this is a parent or a spouse or a friend there will be a point or there might be a point most often is a point when they try to kind of pull you back in they try to hoover you back in for something they'll send you a message if it's a parent uh so-and-so is in the hospital you know or or this is happening or or you know i'm about to lose my home or whatever you know they'll make up something and and then if you respond then you're back in and you almost have to fight to get back out. It's called hoovering. It's awful. Um, and the, there's no level to which they will not stoop to get narcissistic supply. For those of you who don't know what narcissistic supply is, it is it's basically your emotions, your energy. They need, they're like vampires. Instead of blood, they, they take your energy and they take your, your space. So uh, let's see here. Kella said, I said I couldn't do it either, and I didn't want to. I've been abused, accused of abuse, and talked about to my older siblings, lie, bribe, manipulation. Oh, my gosh. They will, like I said, they will stoop to no level. There's no level to which they will not stoop. Yes. Yes. Yes, Chris, exactly. Using an energetic bubble to protect yourself and your peace from outside negativity. Yep. I called it bubbling up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see here. Yeah, okay. Mm. Adrian says, am I am burning that journey when my sessions is over? I don't know what I'm talking about right there. I can't even, I don't think I'm seeing that correctly. I think I'm missing part of the sentence. Um, okay, Katie says, nothing's working for me. I need to start healing. I'm very depressed and suicidal. Okay, Katie, listen to me. If you're suicidal, you need to take immediate action. You need to either go to the emergency room or call the suicide hotline suicide prevention hotline. Um, could one of my mods please make sure that number is put into the chat here um, right now, as soon as possible. Um, Katie, I would, you know, we have, like I said, we've got the support groups online. Um, we've got our Discord uh, group here on, uh, on Discord. Uh, we have My Family Home, but what you need to do is you need to immediately take action right now if you're really feeling suicidal. Um, I understand, but I'm so sorry. Um, Kellis says, my mom is over 400 pounds and can barely walk as bedridden now. So her issue is that she's over 400 pounds and she can't get around. 
um, I would be interested in knowing more about her own life. I would say if I were if I were working with you, I would ask you about her childhood and yours, and I would and I would try to find something that would explain that because this could when somebody's that large, it's usually not just a health issue. Sometimes it can become, you know, a health issue, but like, I'm obviously not skinny, right? And I need to lose a few pounds and I'm working on it kind of, not really, but I will be. Um, uh, but point being, it's, it's a painful thing. If she is that big, then it seems like she's got other issues on top of being a narcissist, which we already know, because anytime you're a narcissist, chances are you were raised by some toxic person or you were deeply affected by a toxic person. Um, so I would, I would ask you that and we would try to figure it out from there. Um, let's see. Julie says it's sad because all you want is to be loved unconditionally. It is sad and it sucks because what happens is once you're an adult, there's no one who can love you unconditionally, right? Not your children. There are plenty of things you can do to make your children not love you unconditionally, right? We know because we've been there. Um, it's not your spouse because there are things you can do. It, it, the only person or people who should ever whoever will or should have loved you unconditionally would be your parents, your grandparents, stuff like that. Um, but they certainly, narcissistic parents don't give that and we never get that. But you know, I learned this weird thing accidentally on purpose. Um, it's, it's learning to love yourself unconditionally and without any, what's the word I'm looking for? It's um, unconditional self-love, it's radical self-love. So like, even though you have an ugly, flappy part of your belly because of c-section three c-sections <laughs> you uh you still you're okay with it you okay yeah i have this weird belly part <laughs> you know and you choose to deal with it or not you could have surgery if you want you could just wear the right kind of you know bottoms and that's what i choose to do uh, you could do whatever but you accept it unconditionally, just like the rest of yourself and when you think about this let's say you have a child and the child has a lazy eye well or a, you know, something minor wrong or major wrong. Do you stop loving your child? Do you love your child any less? Of course not. It, it doesn't, you treat yourself the same, with the same reverence as you would treat your own child. And then there's a whole reparenting side of this, but I don't know if we have time for all that today. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, it's really sad. Uh, Ellen says, my parents blamed me. My first ex blamed my parents. Second ex blamed my first ex. Bestie blamed them all. Then I had to stop all of them. I woke up. I had to stop all of them and get down to why I attracted them. Life is better. And that's a hard thing to do. But you know what? When you do that, I, th I think that's part of the whole shadow work thing, right? Which Chris is sort of an expert on, one of my becoming an expert on. Um, but this is, they blame others because A, they can't acknowledge again their own responsibility in the situation. But when you wake up and you, and you, look around and you see what's really happening. This is what I was talking about earlier. You get that feeling of evolution, that feeling of evolving beyond other people, because you do, you have to, in order to survive, in order to keep going forward. You have to, or you have to just put your head back in the sand and continue to take the abuse, right? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Hmm. Oh, okay. I like that. I don't, I didn't see what Adrian said, but uh, Jack says Serene had a Viking funeral idea that worked. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, actually, uh, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, I, I, 
years ago um, had a similar situation. We wrote a letter and, and we wrote the letter when we were done. We did not put, oh, one of the suggestions was to put it down the river actually, but not burning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's very effective. Um, hey, Blue Moon. Adrian says, I'm disconnected at times, I guess, to CTSD. I think we are always disconnected a little bit here and there as survivors because it's not always, I shouldn't say like that. I think for me, I will go numb or blink when things become highly stressful, especially if those things are focused on something I did or did not do. And that's not often in my life today, but there was... There have been times here and there. I'm generally not an aggressive person. So instead of coming at them the way some of us will, when we heal, I just go, okay, and I walk away. <laughs> it's the best thing I can do because and then I just can't focus on it um, at all unless it's something that I personally believe is true, in which case I'll take action if necessary. I like and want constructive criticism. I do not like or want deconstructive criticism. Is that the word? Where you don't, where they're coming at you just to be nasty, just to hurt you instead of, Anything else? Um, love all she's talking live. The sassy mom. Survivors know it thyself and letting go to control others' feelings. How only how we react or don't react will help. Right. That's right. If you take back your energy and, and, and you don't allow any narcissist or toxic person in your life to have it, that's step one. <laughs> step two is to be very discerning. Who gets to be in your inner circle? And, and this is the part that I think is a big important deal because my inner circle happens to be very small. And, and that's because I'm like all about quality over quantity, right? There's just very few people there. And those people, I know I can trust them. I know have my back and I'll have theirs. And I know that, you know, those things are important and also we get along okay, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, there are just a few of them, like I said, and a lot of them are right here in this home where they are my family members, <laughs> you know, so yeah, um, let's see. Uh, Jack says, my last active therapist described emotional armor boundaries to me, but I think this analogy is a bit more salient. I don't know what we're talking about there, so it's the dissociation, yeah, it's a thing, that's true. Um, and I definitely still have my moments of it. Um, but here's the thing I want to say, and this is a lot of people don't like it. When I, well, one particular person that I know <laughs> doesn't like it when I say this, but I still think it's true. Uh, gray rock is highly effective. But if you're not careful, you can slip into it 24 seven. And then you don't even really allow the feelings to get inside anyway, right? It can be a, a, a big pain. Uh, and, and not even a pain to you, just pain to the people around you. But you will get to a point you're like, kind of miss emotions, <laughs> you know, and then you want to open up a little bit. And I think shadow work can be very effective for this as well. All right, let's see. Uh, Kella says, Jack, completely understandable. I just want to get past the guilt of not wanting to deal with her anymore, sticking no contact. All right, listen, <laughs> let me ask you a question. If she was in your life right now, would you be as calm, cool, and collected as you are today? I'm just asking. Um, the, the guilt of it, you just have to remember why you did it, why you went no contact. And for me, the minute I remember what my parent did, and, and then I look back at the fact that, listen, listen to me very carefully, literally like three years ago or so, I recognized that I was allowed to be angry 
about, actually, I don't even think I realized that. I think I realized I was angry three years ago about the parental alienation, but then I just realized I was allowed to be angry and it was totally justified. Not very long ago, <laughs> okay? And, and I, when I think about that, I'm still mad because it's ridiculous that, that you would, uh, yeah. Uh, point is we are all human <laughs> and we all journey this road in our own time, in our own way, and it's rough, yeah. Um, I, you don't have to deal with her and you don't have to feel guilty. You know, if you remember why, I think that's so important. Remember how childhood was, remember how she's done you since you've been an adult, remember why, and keep, keep going. Because I don't know about you, but when I finally went through that horrible situation, she sent CPS to my door. My children, luckily, we were fine. There was no problem. But the, the social worker said, this looks like a revenge call to me. And it was because she was mad at me for something else. And there's just absolutely no excuse for what was done in that situation. If there was a real problem. Any normal parent would come to their child and say, hey, you okay? What's going on with the kid? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And then you would either explain it or you would fix it, right? If you were a relatively normal, happy family, but that was not done. And the thing was complete crap, the whole thing. So I hope it was worth it to her, but you, you don't need to feel guilty. Just know who you are and know that you have a good heart and know that your son's life's gonna be better without her. I'll just say that. Um, okay. Sassy mom says independence and confidence. Yes, yes, yes. Right, observe, don't observe, don't absorb, Russ. Um, it was actually covered in the, there's an entire video from the Russ interview that I did on my channel about that. So maybe you missed that one, Jack. Um, yes, Chris, more of a spiritual boundary, yes. How can I get out of that? I missed that part, Adrian. Um, okay, Kelly says, my mother will never love me. I'm okay with that. I just roll my eyes when she says it. Yeah, if you're to that point, I mean, Give yourself a little grace and a break. A 65-year-old, you know, unless, I don't know with her weight and everything, but a 65-year-old generally is not going to be, um, she might not go to, uh, I would not waste too much more of your life treating her with, I would just walk away. I wouldn't be disrespectful. I would just move on. I would make sure that she was cared for just because she's ill with her weight and everything. Um, but you are not required to be her, her caregiver at all. I'm not judging anyone who's overweight. As you can see, I'm quite overweight myself. So please don't misunderstand. I'm just saying if she's to that point that she can't even walk around the house, take care of her physical self. Well, there are things to, to think about there, but it's not your problem. It's hers. <laughs> so I would just make sure that either she has the information she needs to call the people and get the things set up or that you just maybe set it up for her initially and then hand her the rest of it. It's not your responsibility. It's really, I mean, I do hope that my children take care of me when I'm old, I'm not gonna lie, but I have never treated my children the way that I was treated or you were treated. And that's the difference. You know, they don't owe me anything, but if they choose to, I'll be very grateful if they choose to take care of me when I'm old. <laughs> they both say they will, all three say they will at this point. So I say both because two of them are still at home and one of them's out in the world being a grown up. <laughs> all right, let's see here. Kevin says, please discuss, hold on, I missed one and I will. Um, so he says, every time I've had a boundary with my, we've set a boundary with my in-laws, they've said I, as in Simmering, 
is overreacting, but Jack is the person who set the boundaries to protect me and our kids. That is a common um, divide and conquer method because they, they are hearing from him, they're mad at him, and they figure it can't be him, it's gotta be you because he must be the one who, you know. And so in those situations, I would make sure that when he tells them, you're either an earshot or an eye shot uh, of them, and that you're part of it, or at least that you're there supporting him. And the other thing I would do is, you know, Jack should stand up and say, now this isn't about her, this is about me. This is what I need for to protect my family or whatever. And, and they won't like it and it'll be a little uncomfortable, but it may solve the issue at least on some level of you being tortured in the process, Julie. Um, okay, Julie says, I was disrespectful because I said the grandmother was sweet and did what she could for her family. Oh, my stars. Yeah, you know what? There's literally nothing that you can do to please these people. So just, you know, those are the types of things that it feels horribly painful and it feels like you're being, you know, it's crushed almost. They've tried so hard and done so much. But in a situation like that, the best thing you can do is go, okay, walk away, gray rock, you know? Don't give them any more of your emotion than you already have. Ellen says, I think we've all heard this many times. Yep. <laughs> yep. Kevin says, Angie, please discuss when both of your parents are narcissistic. Okay, so first of all, it's, it's kind of rare to see both of them be narcissistic. But what you do see a lot of, a lot of, is that one parent will worship the other and or enable the other completely while ignoring the child. Or you see um, the inverted narcissist, which is sort of like a covert with a grandiose narcissist in a way. Somebody who can't exist without the other person, the covert or the inverted narcissism. It's not always a situation. It doesn't work very often, is my point. When you have two narcissists who have, who want the same thing, attention to be the center of everything, et cetera, it almost never works. But sometimes you'll see a grandiose and a covert come together and literally sort of fill in each other's blank spots, but not entirely because, you know, they still need supply from other people. Um, if you, both of your parents are narcissistic, it's miserable, um, it's painful, it's, you don't, you, you start to not matter as a person. Um, you think you're not a person because your parents are so off doing their own thing. And, and then again, they can be very controlling. I, I would need to know more about your particular situation because every, you know, every narcissist does seem to run out of the same playbook, but they're also different in some ways and your situation may have different aspects that I, I, I'm, I don't know. So I might not be describing your situation correctly, but. Again, it's one of those things. If you have to go into contact, that's what you do. Um, but you have to probably, it might take you a while to get there, depending on, again, the circumstances and how significantly they abused you growing up and as an adult. Um, let's see. All right. For all of us accepting what is. Yeah, that, that's really true. Okay, that's a good point, Sassy Mom. So acceptance, radical self-acceptance, yeah. Radical acceptance of the other person. This part's hard. When you get to the point where you can look at that narcissist and go, you know what? That's just who they are and they can't even help it, right? I accept your limitation, mom or dad. I accept who you are, mom or dad. And I'm okay with it, but I'm not gonna let you destroy me anymore. It's kind of where it goes, right? Yeah. Um, Jack says, I mean, I'm sorry, Adrian says, I want that connection, but I don't really let anyone get close to me. 
this is the hardest part for us. I think this is again back to the insecure attachment thing. And it has to do with, you know, if you meet somebody at some group or church or, or neighbor or whatever, and you just you cannot allow yourself to trust them because you have every time you have been in any sort of significant relationship, they 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 show you that you can't trust people. And so you always keep a little distance. And you know, I still do that a little bit, like I said, a very small inner circle. And the reason is you just can't trust all people. And, and when you're taught that from very early in your life, it's a terrible thing. You want to open your heart and be able to trust anyone, right? It's crazy. Anyway, I don't know how long I've been streaming. Um, <laughs> I, I have no idea when I even started. So I think I'm gonna get ready to wrap up. Um, but we do have so many great comments here. Um, this has been a really helpful, um, I think a helpful session <laughs> even for me. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I will be back here on Tuesday and I will have more content coming for you. If you are the adult child of a narcissist, I have an adult child, children of narcissist parents support group. I believe you can go to queenbeing.com slash A-C-O-N to learn about that and join. Um, I have a lot of other products and services or whatever you want to call it, but but free support groups on Facebook, free support groups in various places. Uh, we can connect on Telegram, on Twitter. I mean, to be honest with you, my most active connections are Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, I guess. But I have, you know, other things out there and I try to touch into as many as possible. We also have a really great uh, chorus space. We have um, different, all the coaches do different types of projects and coaching. Uh, and, and, and everything can be pretty much found at queenbeing.com. Um, and there's also a really nice, um, there's a, if, you, if you hit the start now button on the, on the site, it will walk you through um, getting, you know, get, getting yourself into, first of all, figuring out where you are in recovery, uh, figuring, well, first figuring out if you have a narcissistic person in your life, which most of us already know that, but in case you don't, you can start there. And then you can learn your stage in recovery and you can learn what resources are available to you for free in your stage of recovery and a lot more for free. I do as much as I can for free. Um, so if you go to queenbeing.com on the front page and start here, you will find all that stuff. Um, and if there's anything that I can do um, otherwise, let me know. Um, thank you. Oh, hey, Martha. First time catching me live. Oh, my, my, I just lost the comment. It went away. Um, anyway, thank you guys. I appreciate you. I will see you Tuesday. And I, I don't know, I might do a, a few extra lives in the near future because I'm kind of enjoying this talking with you. So <laughs> thanks, everybody. I appreciate you. Um, Jack and Simran. Simran is putting in important. Oh, thanks, Jack. Uh, they're both putting important. Wait a minute. Who's 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 two? Hold on. Um, Kevin, Mira. I didn't see all Kevin's. Um, okay, so what I'll do is. Okay, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to read back through the chat because I was only as far in as I was. Um, I will make sure to see you guys next week and try to answer more of these questions. Um, also, feel free to let the moderators know um, what other topics you're interested in so that they can add them to our list. And um, I'll see you soon. <laughs> okay, here I go. <laughs>